She's got no vested interest. She comes to the table with no judgment and all curiosity and allows me to explore in a way that I do my best thinking because I feel safe to do it. Welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor, the podcast on a mission to raise aspirations and inspire the next generation of category-defining founders. From purpose-led entrepreneurs to Olympic champions, you'll learn firsthand from today's successful leaders on what it takes to be brilliant, all in just 40 minutes. This is our final installment of our Mentorship Feature Series. We really hope you've enjoyed it so far and this new format and the fascinating conversations that we've had. Today, Hannah and I are joined by Tess Kosad and Chloe HC. Tess is the co-founder and CEO of Bayer Fertility, the ambitious fertility tech startup focused on democratizing access to safe, affordable fertility treatment. Chloe is an accomplished product leader and coach with over 10 years experience working directly for COOs and founding teams in companies such as Truva to shape vision, drive strategy and deliver day-to-day execution from seed to series B. Tess and Chloe met at university and although they've taken their careers in different directions, they've stayed connected as friends and have evolved their relationship to mentor-mentee. We're really looking forward to digging into this one and their unique dynamic and for them to share the many mentorship lessons that they've learned over the years. So Tess, Chloe, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you both doing? Well, thanks, James. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. And it's great to have friends and mental mentees together. It's going to be a really good conversation. So I'm looking forward to diving really deep. But before we get to your mentorship relationship, let's do a proper intro for our listeners who may not have met you before. So do you mind if we could get a one minute whistle stop? tour of your CV. Why don't we start with you, Chloe? I did a psychology degree many years ago now. I thought I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. And when I got there, I realised that I loved people and there weren't too many people in the research papers I was reading, or at least that they were presenting more as numbers. When I left university, I decided to take a completely different tack and hit the uh, fashion tech startup scene. That was really kind of where things started for me. I got into product management from there. I've worked at three different startups as in various capacities, but mostly in product roles, going in as the first product manager and then building and growing the the product function all the way up to VP product. So I did that first at a really early stage startup that had no product, worked there for for a while and then went to Edited, which is a B2B SaaS product in the retail tech space as well. That was where I went. worked directly with the founder there, taking over the product from him all the way up to VP product. And then I decided to go and do the same thing again the second time round at Truva. Throughout my time, I kind of had a continuous thread that I just loved understanding people that translated to kind of customers and users but also working directly with teams and I've now kind of taken a career transition to becoming a coach full-time so that's what I'm doing now. Awesome thank you and over to you Tess. My career is is a little bit sort of well a very varied path I did a master's degree and then started a startup I thought that the group project we did was a wonderful business as it turns out the business adventure became a business lesson we failed on all counts but I learned a lot and then moved on and actually started an ad agency so I ran an ad agency for a couple of years working with b2b tech companies actually so brand positioning storytelling all of this stuff at the same time sort of grew a fascination with women's health health equity sort of all of the things that make life difficult for people that ought not to, and then found my way into fertility. So three and a half years ago, I founded Bayer 
and have been building the business since then. Oh, amazing. Thank you both so much for sharing your story. So I know you both met at university and have been friends ever since. So Tess, tell us a bit more about friendship and how your mentorship relationship has evolved over the years. It's actually such a funny, you know, if you'd said to me, gosh, 10, 15 years ago when we met, in 15 years, you're going to be on a podcast talking about this. I'd have been like, no way. It's been such a cool journey. And we, when we met, obviously university, so sort of friendship was absolutely the focus and we were really, really tight friends. And then both really started to excel and and progress in our careers in a way that was able to sort of, we were able to learn a lot from each other. And the minute I founded Bayer, I think when you're a startup founder, you'll know this, it's a really complex journey. It's quite a long journey and can also be quite a lonely journey. So I just started talking a lot to Chloe. It was the lockdown, sort of middle of lockdown. So we'd walk the same loop every morning and I'd just like, here's all of the stuff that I'm struggling with. And it really evolved from there. And after a while, I started to think, God, anytime I'm struggling with something, there's only one person I take it to. And it went from there. Thank you so much. How would you describe the nature of your mentorship relationship then? And how does it work on a sort of practical day-to-day level? Do you have structured sessions or with agendas or is it much more ad hoc, sort of freestyle dynamic? It's a lot more ad hoc. It's a lot more freestyle. I think, you know, Chloe hop in here, but what, what Chloe is really, really good at is picking up on the cues. So depending on the type of message I send, Chloe immediately knows what I need in that moment and is able to sort of switch mode it's a real talent but like Chloe how do you know we're kind of in a constant dialogue between the two of us and we are often seamlessly hopping between kind of the friend zone and the mentor zone I think often the question or that it will seamlessly go into something like I really need to figure out x you know that's my cue to be like okay yeah I often just check in like okay do you want to talk more about that or is this just like a I'm processing in the moment and we're gonna continue on onto something else so it's just really listening for what's needed in that moment sometimes we will we will set things up so it might be that we have had a conversation where you know Tess is like oh in the next week I'm gonna need to figure out how I deal with x and we set up a time to talk about that where we can go a bit deeper um but quite often it's said yeah I'm listening for those cues of I need to process something this situation's come up I'm not sure how to deal with x this and this is really hard and then just checking back in, like, hey, are we, are we, what mode are we going into um, from there, really? You already mentioned there that you're constantly kind of switching between friendship mode and, and mentor mode. So how do you make sure that you've got time for both sides of it? You don't neglect your friendship, but then you also remember, right, like you're here as my mentor, you're here as my mentee. Yeah, how do you make time for both? And was there ever a time where it was so blurred that you had to set stricter boundaries and go actually this is our friendship time Chloe's like expert on boundaries and I actually think that's one of the reasons this works so well is that you know the boundaries are so so well held I think for me we often try to hold weekends weekends are for friendship time unless there's something specific and I'm you know really asking for it weekends are for coffee and brunch and you know all of the things that are not work but I think in terms of when the boundaries have been really blurred I mean there have been a few moments where we've been in a real friendship context and situation and I've just desperately needed to to get through something and Chloe does an incredible job of holding 
and then also sort of moving us on and but always remembering so we'll always maybe go back to something if I haven't quite yet gotten there and you know Chloe you're you're the boundaries person so I'll, I'll let you take that one away I think with this stuff like we're really lucky that we have a really strong ongoing dialogue and that means that we're pretty much always on the same page about which either which mode we're in or how we're handling it but it is really important to get explicit if it gets contentious and sometimes what I'm thinking about is like how do I need to show up right now there have been dark moments where I could have shown up as a mentor and said like you know we need to push through this thing now or whatever and I'm here to help you do that and sometimes what's actually needed is just like a hug and to sit in, hey, this shit's really, really hard right now. As Tess said, we try and keep the weekends for for us as friends and then think about time spent, kind of have a mental parking lot. So quite often we're talking, which is like, oh, that came up, park that, we're not going into that right now. Like it's chilling time, we're not gonna go into that gnarly topic, but like, let's pick that up on Monday and then we'll kind of make the time for it there. So it's up to us both to kind of make sure that we know what we need from the other person in that moment. And that goes for me as well. Like we're really close friends. What I need to sometimes, I need her to be my friend and not my mentee or my mentor or whatever. So yeah, it's that ongoing dialogue. And we often just say, what do you need? What do you need right now? And it's such a powerful question. I think when you're in a mentor-mentee relationship, the default assumption is someone's there to mentor and someone's there to be a mentee. Whereas with us, it's always like, what do you need? What do you need? You know, I remember I was, it was the middle of the pandemic. I was raising a pre-seed round. And honestly, this was three years ago. Bea was a consumer-facing medical device that was, pun intended, completely embryonic. You know, trying to get people to give me money was an absolute nightmare. And one point I remember walking to Chloe's house, it'd been a really long day. I'd been rejected left, right and center. And the door opened, I was gonna go there for dinner and a glass of wine just came out the front door. (laughs) I was like, do you know what? Yeah, that's what I needed. I didn't need a mentor. I needed to go to my friend for dinner and I needed a glass of wine to like appear at the front door as I did. So there are just, I think the depth of our relationship allows us to know what we need and, and sort of very fluidly go in and out of that. It's it's a rare thing. It's really cool. Amazing. Yeah, that sounds great. You know, that you have this dynamic where, yes, you say what you need, but also there's a level of you just know each other so well that there's, you know, you just understand what, what the other person needs. So that's, yeah, that's great. I like to touch a little bit on, obviously, you've known each other for quite some time, but your careers have kind of gone into very different directions. Tesh, you're a founder and Chloe, you've worked closely with founders. So I think you've got a very interesting perspective to kind of navigate through some of Tess's problems and, and, and issues that come up. So, so yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit more about how does your perspective help you within the mentorship relationship um, and kind of how beneficial is it to you that coming at it from two very different sides? So I think we we lean into the fact that we're coming at it from different perspectives. It means I don't assume that I know what Tess is going through. So I don't have any background in medical device fertility or anything like that so I'm approaching it from a more a more abstract lens and I think that can be really helpful when we're kind of bandying around concepts so quite often what I'll I'll be listening for is like what is it that you're describing right now try and assign a word to it so for example oh okay so that's your strategy what you're describing to me now like that's who your customer is or whatever it is that we're talking about at that time like so the challenge is actually x and so what I'm listening for is to kind of help test think through some of those notions at a conceptual level which then helps us figure out kind of how to a communicate them to the team so often what I'm representing as someone who's an operator who's worked directly with founders is how is this being received by someone who is not the founder the founder has an unprecedented level of 
context that nobody else in the business has. And so quite often my job is to be like, what do your team know here? What I'm hearing is this, is that what you mean? Or that has felt really, really useful and powerful. And quite often, I think there's a a virtue in being reminded of that gap in context between what you as a founder have and what the rest of your team will have. Because I've been an operator working with founders, I can present that perspective. It's important for me that I empathize with the founder. And that's how I've worked with all of the people that I've worked with in the past successfully is understanding what their experience is as a founder and also what it's like to be on the receiving end of whatever it is that they're bringing in. There have been many moments where I'm like, I need to do this huge thing in the team. Like my favorite expression is strategy is situation specific. When your situation changes, you must also adapt your strategy. And of course, I often come in, I'm like, Chloe, I need to do this big thing. And Chloe's like, whoa, 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 whoa. why? (laughs) So we get to this place where having been on the receiving end of communications from founders and, you know, Chloe, you're absolutely right. I have an unprecedented level of context because I, I look outside, I speak to investors, I look inside, I look at the market, I look at all of these pieces. And sometimes I present them in a way that it wouldn't land. It's not the right way to present it. And Chloe is so good at helping me reach clarity and not being from the same industry and not being in medical devices is actually, I see it's a huge advantage because I'll go off on this sort of, you know, in my line of work, we talk about things like cervical mucus and and this, that, and the other, and all these medical diagnoses and Chloe sits back and she's like, yes, but why? And it's so clarifying and sharpening. It's actually really powerful to have someone who is not from the industry it helps me really sharpen up how I communicate amazing I think we've already had so many different examples of where you've really benefited from each other but if you had to pick kind of one very standout moment where you walked away from you know a mentorship conversation and Tess you went this was an absolute breakthrough moment can you share an example if I were to think of a singular moment I mean there have been many ongoing situations you know early on in Bayer's life we went through a co-founder exit and and that's challenging and lonely and as a founder you really don't feel like you can talk to anyone in the business out of the business everyone has a vested interest and the minute you hear co-founder exit sort of red flags go up left right center so that was really a, a long period of time in which the interactions I had with Chloe were incredibly powerful but you've asked for a singular moment and I can take you to it right away I was in New York Chloe I think you were in London and I was walking around the East Village and I ended up sitting on a bench outside a shop and it was the middle of winter so it's like New York winter it's cold I'm not dressed well but the conversation was so powerful that I sat on that bench for two hours and I froze my buns off what we were talking about was we were struggling to fundraise as I think a lot of people were in Q4 22 and I felt like I was running out of options and we got presented with the opportunity to to join Techstars and you know we've been around for a few years we were a couple of weeks from launch we've raised a few rounds so arguably we're not quite you know in the right stage for a program like that but I hooked into it and I was like we need to do tech stars in New York we just need to do it and I'm talking to Chloe and Chloe's like yes but why and I was like because we just need to do it and I think what I appreciated so much in that moment was you know I'm putting words in your mouth now Chloe so feel free to say no but Chloe's a friend was sitting back and was like well I don't want my friend to move to New York for four months that sucks But Chloe as a mentor was like, what does Tess need right now? What does the business need? And why is she hooking into this? Like, what is she trying to say to me? And, you know, gosh, for two hours, finally, we got to a place where Chloe was like, gosh, do you know what? Now I get it. 
now I see why you're doing this. And now I think it's, you've managed to, to get to the core of why this is the right thing for you and for the business. And it was so powerful. It really unlocked me. I remember that situation so well. And I think, you know, I was, I was hearing you describe this opportunity and it really started out as something, it was about, I could hear for you that it was this lifeline. And I could also hear that you were like, at the end of your tether. And it had been weeks of really, really hard phone calls with investors and pitches and like knock after knock after knock. And you were just like, I just need something. And this feels like it. As a friend, I wanted to be like, of course, that's what you need right now. Like, of course, yes, go do it. This is an amazing opportunity. And they were also like, they were chasing you down. They were like, we really want you. You're amazing. Like, there was so much pride in me at that point of like, this is so amazing. And also, wanting a lifeline isn't a good reason that wasn't the right reason to make the business decision and so we kind of bandied it around a lot and I, I think I did a lot of I think in that mode a lot of what I was doing was actually much more like coaching you know I was just getting you to kind of asking a lot of questions talk through what's the thought process behind this how are you getting to this decision and then suddenly about halfway through the conversation I remember that was it started off really about like it was an opportunity for the team and it was a break and it was all these things and then suddenly about halfway through it switched and you started explaining to me what it unlocked from a business strategy perspective. And I was like, ah, there it is. And we ended up like, I was doing a lot of just like reflecting back on what you were saying. And then I think after that, you just like went and wrote this big strategy document about why this was like what the and it actually wasn't at any at that point even tied to going to Techstars it was about what you were going to do as a business over the next 18 months that really blew my mind listening to you like really articulate what that strategy was so it was a powerful moment for, for me as well on, on that one amazing yeah it actually brings me on to our next question around kind of conflict and disagreement uh, and Chloe I'm going to come straight to you with this one um, in every relationship whether it's mentorship whether it's friendship you know whether it's colleagues there's always going to be conflict at one stage or another and so for anyone listening who's currently going through a bit of a disagreement with their mentor or their mentee can you give us any kind of practical advice on how to navigate that and how to work through that um, without affecting the relationship at all it's a great question I think this is a nobody likes those conversations they are like by definition really difficult and usually they're actually hard because we feel a lack of control and we feel misunderstood. So we feel like the other person doesn't understand our perspective or we're worried about how the other person's going to react to something. I can pretty much boil down every situation that I've had in any coaching interaction, mentorship interaction or whatever. It boils down to those two things. If we know what which one of those it is, or maybe it's both, that can kind of shape how we handle the conversation. Is it about not understanding our perspective? Then go and understand the other person's perspective as well. Because usually what happens is that people are coming at it, they cannot see the other side. And it's not about coming to a place of agreement. There might be a genuine difference in opinion, and that's okay. It comes down to being able to understand where that other person is coming from. And also ensuring that the motives are at least pure, especially when it's with a mentor or a mentee, is that disagreement coming from, I want the best for you and I actually think you're, you're taking the wrong decision here? Or is it coming from something else? Is it coming from, this has been my experience and I need you to validate my experience? Or is it coming from, you've never been through this so you don't understand? What is actually going on there? So understand the other person's perspective. 
go in and put your ego to one side and just go and look at that. When we think about the other side, which is about how is that other person going to react to something? Fundamentally, that isn't something that we can control. If you're worried about having a conversation with someone, I always encourage people to get clear on what their perspective is. When we spend the whole time thinking about, I'm worried about saying this because I'm worried about how this person will perceive that or react to that. If you're approaching it with empathy and you're trying to say things in a way that feel fair and just, and you're clear on your own perspective, that's really key. Because then however they react, either you're going to say, oh, I've actually just got a new perspective here. Or you're going to say, I understand that's how you see things. That's not how I see things, right? So however they react, you have your kind of North Star. That's that's how I kind of think about it. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Thank you. A lot of what you said really resonated with me just in terms of my own relationship with my mentors. So I've just been listening in intently going, yeah, 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 I can really relate to that. Um, we get so many questions from our audience. I guess it's kind of the, the genesis of this podcast really is about, we had lots of people over the years reaching out saying, I really want to become a mentor or I really, really need mentorship and I don't really know where to look. So we really want to make sure in this feature series, we're giving practical advice for them. I wanted to ask you, how do you approach a potential mentor? Uh, what's the best way to ask for mentorship? Because it is quite a daunting concept for many. So I'd love to get your both of your takes on this. Um, so maybe Tess, if I'll come to you first. Chloe and I have beautifully different takes on this as an operator and a founder. And uh, But I think one of the things that I learned early on starting Bayo was I get given a lot of advice. So I actually don't have to go and seek mentorship. Mentorship loves to find its way to me. And I'd often pitch and, and someone would come up and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to give you money, but I'll definitely give you advice. I pitched 284 times to raise my first round in the middle of the pandemic. So that sort of gives you an idea of quite how much advice I have. But people often would come to the table with this attitude of, well, I, I know more, so I'm going to give you advice. I think one of the, the things that I learned when looking for a mentor is if I'm seeking someone, that's generally a pretty good sign. If someone's coming to me and I'm trying to figure out how to hold them at bay, bad start. And that was so powerful. One of the things that I noticed with Chloe is over time, I was like, gosh, I'm really like seeking. You get these emails sometimes where you're like, oh, I need to call Chloe, like, you know, speed dial almost. And that's when I started to think, gosh, that's a mentor. You know, that it, because then I'd often get emails or news or, you know, the, the product broke at some point. We were in the middle of R&D and it's a medical device. So medical devices are not supposed to break, especially not when you're putting them inside bodies and the orifice that we happen to deal with, which is a vagina. Nothing should break when it goes near a vagina. Anyway, it broke. And the first person I wanted to call to be like, my business is going up in flames was Chloe. Now, of course, you have a team and you have a lead investor and you have a board. So it's like, oh, I should probably call the board first. But there were so many clarifying moments along the way where I was like, gosh, I've really found a mentor here because I gravitate to her. I look for the space she creates for me, which is judgment free and curious. That's it. She's got no vested interest. She comes to the table with no judgment and all curiosity and allows me to explore in a way that I do my best thinking because I feel safe to do it. I love that. It's a safe space, but also a critical friend that can ask the difficult questions and probe. And that, that really is the sign of a, an amazing mentor. So, so I guess for anyone listening to this, that is, it maybe has somebody that they lean on a lot 
in times of difficulty or when they need an extra maybe that is actually a mentorship relationship you don't re even realize that you have and maybe that's uh, hopefully will clarify in some minds that you've got some incredible mentors out there um chloe do you have anything you'd add to that based on your own experiences I've had a completely different experience. I haven't had people, as many people, throwing themselves at me, wanting to wanting to mentor me. I also didn't seek it out. And I would say I, I could have done with a few more mentors, actually. I think there's a few ways to approach this. And honestly, the best way is kind of, as Tess said, like find that person who you trust, who feels good, and then just ask them. I recently had an experience of, was just recently left my previous role. And one of my direct reports was like, you know, I really loved working with you. I've really enjoyed it. And she was starting kind of on her uh, product management journey. And she would, she just asked me, she was like, would you continue to mentor me? And it's like, of course I would, but it's, it was really helpful. Again, it goes back to the point around boundaries. Like that really direct ask allows me to be really explicit with whether, how I answer that question. I think just come right out there and ask, right? I love it when people do that. It's just that really explicit, will you be my mentor? And and then as a mentor, a mentor if, if you get asked that question, it's, well, what are you looking for? It depends, right? And I, I think it's sometimes, especially now that I've transitioned to do coaching, you know, I will use a lot of those coaching skills in my mentor dynamics, but it is different. You know, what do you want? Do you want advice? Because most of mentorship is about giving advice. It's not always the right thing to do if that's what you need. And I wish I'd gone out there and looked more for people who could have given me advice. I was really often missing. I, I had so many questions that I couldn't answer and no one within my organization who was I could um, go to. I had lots of people in parallel roles. I really should have spent more time going out and asking people for advice in situations that I was experiencing. So basically go and ask the question. Can I ask you, why didn't you seek that advice? What was it that was holding you back from asking those questions? I had some really, really challenging times of business went through a lot. Every business went through a lot in the last three years. It's been a really crazy time. I just had horrific imposter syndrome. And we don't talk enough about the impact of imposter syndrome on anything beyond our feelings. We all talk about imposter syndrome as how it makes us feel. And it makes us feel like crap. But we don't talk about what that actually means for how it drives our behavior. And the way it drove my behavior was not getting support. I didn't ask for help enough. I was so afraid that I was going to be found out as someone who didn't know what they were doing that I didn't ask for help. And I would have done a hell of a lot better had I gone out there and sought some more input from external sources. And I would have let go of so much of my imposter syndrome because I would have realized that A, a lot of what I was going through was genuinely difficult. It wasn't just hard for me because I was incompetent. It was genuinely hard. And it was maybe other people would have gone through it or actually maybe I was doing the right thing. I just didn't have a, a safe space or, or for me, everything was unsafe because I was looking at everything as what if I get found out? My advice on this is if you're spending a lot of your time with a lot of unanswered questions and you feel out of your depth, go find a mentor. I couldn't agree more. And I think I can resonate with this. I mean, the number of times I've been stuck in a vortex of anxiety, like in my head, on my own, just kind of bouncing against the walls, uh, mainly because I was like, oh no, but I don't want to look stupid. People you know, think I shouldn't be running a business because I don't know the answer to this, that or the other. Madness really, isn't it? Because there's so many people willing to help. And that's the thing that I found about tech ecosystem, whether it's a founder networks, whether it's, uh, and Tess and I are both in a community called founders it is unbelievable how quick people are to help and with zero judgment so whether that's in a formal mentorship relationship which obviously we're big advocates for or whether it's just sort of peer-to-peer -peer support find those communities find those mentors because it will make a huge difference and i swear i would be less gray and i would have more hair if i'd have done that earlier 
this may resonate with you. One of the things that I find is I often know the answer, but I've somehow stopped trusting myself or I somehow there's so much noise that I can't get to it. And Chloe creates a space in which I can trust my instinct and get to the right answer. And, you know, I think often as founders, you know your business. You often have a sense of what's right and find a mentor that helps you find and trust and listen to and tune into your own voice and your instinct. When Tess and I speak, like, I always know that she has the answer. Or if she doesn't have the answer, my question will be, how can you get that answer? Which she also will always have an answer to. It's always locked up in there because I know that, Tess, you'll have spent all of your time with whatever it is you're asking me about or talking about. You've already thought about it 100% minimum more than I have, right? And you've already probably come up with 10, 15 solutions to solve the problem. It's just that somewhere along the way, it's become hard to sort through that or the anxiety or the fear or whatever else is happening. Or just honestly, the chaos that you're dealing with as a founder is just in the way of you thinking clearly. So I, yeah, I think it's a lot of it is about leaning into what do you already know and how can you help somebody else get to that clarity? I think you touched on so many important things here. I think everyone listening to this, just like us, will be nodding along to this because I think we, we've all been in those situations. But I also think personally, I find when I go and seek out my mentors it's mostly because in my head I think I just want advice I just want them to help me make that decision but then nine out of ten times I sit in that conversation and I just basically verbally vomit everything onto the table and go this is what I'm thinking and then their role is just to sit there support me and just uh, give me space to do that so so yeah I think that's so important it's when you think about mentorship it's not necessarily someone who you go to and go what do I do in life help me tell me everything that you know it's very much a help me get through this and just be there and create the safe space. Yeah, I think so much mm-hmm. for sharing that. Yeah, I think a good mentor isn't going to spoon feed you everything. I mean, that that's that's not what a good mentor should do. They will help you work through the noise, as, as Chloe said. I think it's also something that, and, and this is clear from what I know of Tess, you have real humility as well. And the, you actually do know the answer, but you don't think you know the answer. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening to this. And that is a good thing. You know, some of the biggest cock-ups in the startup world have happened from unbelievably bullish arrogant founders thinking they know everything and just kind of like charging ahead and there's a time for some of that and being decisive of course but there's also is a time to question decisions and get validation and outside opinions and i think that's there's a nice balance to be had there chloe i I wanted to ask you obviously in order to get the best out of a mentor mentee relationship you need to make sure you have the right mentor mentee and so therefore vetting that there must be a vetting process to some extent so do you have any advice for anyone that's maybe going through this journey right now about how to vet effectively but then also how to make the most of that partnership the number one thing is just do you connect with that person can you actually have a conversation with that person where you feel supported I think early on in my career I had a mentor who was super smart way ahead of me and their careers really really passionate about what they did and I walked out of every session and felt like a failure you want someone who's going to challenge you but if you don't feel safe you won't be able to be challenged effectively You have to find someone you trust to challenge you. If you don't challenge, you won't change. If you're not challenged, you won't change, right? But equally, otherwise, it's just, it's not a safe space to be in and you won't be able to internalize whatever it is that they're challenging you on. So find someone you want to be challenged by. And that comes from, do you really connect with that person? Do you believe that they understand what you're experiencing? On the flip side, if you're a mentor and you're thinking about a mentee, do you connect with that person? Really get into the heart of why this person wants to be mentored. 
something that I've seen a couple of times is they actually don't, but they've been told by someone else to get a mentor. That relationship most of the time will fail. I've seen that many times over and this is the flaw with advice. If advice is something you're following blindly or because you're told to do it, you will almost never get the outcome that you want. It's kind of exploring that. What is this person looking for? Have they been told you need to go and get some advice from somebody else? They might think they've got all the answers. They probably don't, but are they really going to hear what you're saying? What is this person looking for and can you offer it? Equally, it comes back to boundaries as well on both sides, but particularly on the side of the mentor. Do you actually have the time, space, capacity and want to mentor this person? And if you don't, don't do it because you won't serve them well. So be honest with yourself and don't say yes to someone. That is a responsibility. Don't commit to something that ultimately you're not able to deliver on. A hundred percent. So much better to have one mentee that you can dedicate your time to give your all, obviously with with the right boundaries put in place and have real clarity on you know how that relationship is going to work rather than try to be a hero and help loads of people and do a really half-assed job of it because that'll be no good for anyone and what I found personally from being a mentee and a mentor is I get so much both ways I learn so much uh, from those that I mentor and then being a mentee so it's a really worthwhile thing but definitely feel I've done this myself where I've people have asked to for me to play a bit of a mentor role and I've gone of course yeah I'd love to help and then before you know I'm just drowning in conversations and not being effective that's a really good point and I really like the point you make about not necessarily always giving it advice that's not always the right way to to be as a mentor Tess just wanted to come to you briefly before we sadly have to wrap this conversation up do you think there's a such a thing as having too many mentors and if you feel like maybe you're going down that path what's the best way to maybe end those relationships because I'd imagine that would be pretty tricky conversation to have 100% there's such a thing as too many mentors unequivocally yes um and you know, I think, look, I'm this sort of wonderfully, horribly extra painful combination of a founder and a people pleaser. And those two things in combination can make the journey extra um, complex from time to time. So in the early days of creating this company, you know, people would say, I want to give you advice. And I'd be so delighted that someone wanted to pay any attention at all to what we were doing. That I'd be like, of course. You know, what I made the mistake of doing was, you know, a mentor would come along and say, well, these are the things you need to do. And I'm like, there's my to-do list for the week. Yeah, but they don't have the context. So I would make the advice my de facto to-do list and I would go off on tangential journeys that were completely irrelevant to the progress of the business. I think at one point I had so many of these things going on that I was just lost. I was lost. And I started to notice that I was beginning to sort of dread some of these mentor calls. And one of my mentor calls, you know, mentors insisted on a full set of management accounts provided X number of days before every mentorship conversation. And I really think one of the things I learned very early on was mentorship is not about someone telling you what to do. They just don't have the context. Yes, someone in New York who is a dear friend and mentor once said to me, Tess, no one has the context that you have. No one. And when I let that land, I suddenly felt so much more empowered. And honestly, James, I got to a place where I suddenly thought, gosh, I don't need all of these mentors. And then the people pleasing kicked in. It was like, but it's going to be so displeasing to them if I shut down the relationship because me begging 
for advice as, you know, this sort of young woman looking for advice is so pleasing to so many of these people. So I can't possibly end the relationship. And then I sat back and I thought, well, you know, Chloe has this expression. I love it so much. I, I hate it. And I love it simultaneously, which is the universe will keep sending you the same lesson until you learn it. And finally, I learned that it might just be time to sit down with some of my mentors and say, do you know what? I've really loved this and it's been so beneficial and it's time for me to move on. It is the best thing for me as the founder. It's the best thing for my business. And those were some of the hardest conversations ever. I really, really struggled with them. But to your question, James, yeah, totally is such a thing as too many mentors. And when you realize that you've gotten yourself into that sort of mess and you need to sort of extract yourself from it, it can be complex to have those conversations. But it comes back to what is that mentor there for? Because if they are there because they want to see you succeed and you say to them, hey, with everything going on, I am not being set up to succeed. They should want you to move on. They should welcome that conversation. They really should. Yeah, a conscious uncoupling when it comes to mentorship is not always a bad thing, is it? Exactly. And it'll show you people's intentions, right? Like if you get a terrible reaction out of a mentor because you're trying to uncouple, then you kind of get the feeling of this wasn't right to begin with. <laughs> this just wasn't the dynamic we needed. Yeah. When Chloe and I were talking about this podcast and sort of what was it about our relationship that made it so enduring, you know, not to steal your thunder, is, said this thing. It's so wonderfully articulate, comes out with combinations of words that are just gorgeous. And she says, you know what, Tess, women are under-sponsored and over-mentored. Boy, is that true. And I think for many female founders, we get a ton of advice and the data bears it out, much less capital. And it does impact, you know, how you build and how you grow and where you go. It, it, it's so important to, mentorship is so important. Really find the ones that help you find your voice. I would just really add a final point to that. I mean, Tess, you actually said that in such a beautiful way. And I think, you know, I listened to you talk about too many mentors and I watched you go through on this journey where, you know, you are an extremely talented relatively young female founder and so there are people queuing up who are like I want a piece of that you know you actually have the hard job of weeding out who's genuine and who or who's there for a bit of glory hunting a bit of kind of I want to be able to say I don't actually want to give you any money but I will be able to say that I did something and then I'll go in at a later stage where there's a bit less risk or whatever and it goes back to exactly this point which is I had this expression of you know women are over mentored and under sponsored and so my final kind of parting words is just to like have a think about what else you could offer that person that isn't advice is it an introduction to somebody else sometimes people have mentors that are in the same organization as them and one of the most powerful things I've seen is people like sponsorship is going out there to bat for people and if you are in a position to bat for that person and you mentor them and therefore you do know how good that person is, go out and bat for them. Go out and actually, you know, it might be going into a management meeting and saying, I had an incredibly powerful conversation with this person or this person's doing a really amazing job at this or I think we should put this person forward for this role. Talking you up in situations that make sure that you then get end up in the right place. And as mentors, we have a lot of power to do that. That would be my final thing around moving beyond advice. Amazing. Yes, so powerful. Thank you. Um, and I also think, you know, it is a lot of female founders that get that, but also women in the workplace in general. There's always advice for us everywhere we look. So, so yeah. Amazing. Well, we're sadly at the end, but before we let you go, we have two more final questions for you. What one piece of advice would you like to leave our listeners with, especially, you know, aspiring mentees and mentors? I mean, I think it's been a common thread throughout the whole conversation is, Look for someone you trust who creates a space 
where you can truly truly think clearly and you know Chloe and I were talking about this a a lot before we don't generally condone going through your friendship groups and picking your mentors from your friendship circles you know this works for us because there's a really long history and we kind of grew up together there's a, a depth of friendship that allows this to work and we don't generally say that you should go and find mentors who are friends but I think in terms of pieces of advice, if if there are people who are already in your life, you know, mentors can be all around you. So if there is someone already who you interact with, who you feel yourself wanting to seek more and more from and, and wanting to spend more time around and talk to you more about the things that are truly troubling you, it might be a good idea to lean into that and, and talk to them about it. Love that. Amazing. And Chloe? I think I'm going to build on what Tess said. I think some people out there who will listen to this conversation and think, oh, yeah, it'd be amazing if my friend was my mentor or I could go and mentor my friend. And it's I guess it's it's proceed with caution because lean into where that is and also make sure that you set those boundaries. And I think one thing that Tess and I were chatting about when we were thinking about this and how we wanted to make sure that we got across the power in our dynamic. One of the things we talked about was some mentorship can be paid, right? There can be a an exchange of money. And we made a decision quite early on, which was we never wanted money to change hands between us about this because we didn't want it to be something that we wanted to be able to flip between friendship and mentorship, but not in a way that was ever going to create resentment on the other person. And that can happen in either direction. So I think my p- final piece of advice is just when you go out there, think about the nature of your relationship with that person as a mentor and also in other roles. Are they in your organization so there are other power dynamics at play are they your friends are they someone else who's got a vested interest in something that you're doing if so if not how do you want to set that up and think about that as you as you go into that that relationship whether that is money or time or anything else amazing thank you so much and finally I know that you both are very lucky and have lots of amazing people and mentors in your lives but if you had to choose one more mentor whether they're dead or alive who would it be and why and Chloe I'll come to you first on this one. One of my mentors at the moment is um, the reason I got into coaching and she's been most incredible person so I kind of feel like I've got the perfect mentor in many respects that's hard to replicate and hard to relate to so I'll give you I'll give someone who I think um, would be incredible and that's Brene Brown she well she started off as a shame and vulnerability researcher but now she does everything from kind of you know leadership development all the TED talks and the Netflix specials is absolutely incredible what I love about her is that she always gets back to the human side of things and the heart and she's has a grasp of emotional literacy that I think is absolutely incredible and so I think she'd just be fantastic at helping me navigate what it was precisely that I was feeling and finding the right words to use to describe that and what that actually meant for what I was dealing with so yeah my my pick would be Renee Brown. Amazing. Yeah, she's definitely on our dream guest list for the podcast. So we'll just put that out in the universe real quick. <laughs> Amazing. And Tess, over to you. Yeah, I thought long and hard about this because when I first was sort of read the question, I thought, God, you know, I think I really do have my ideal mentor. Then I thought, no, 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 don't be a cop out. No, go and find someone. I thought, okay, well, I would want to look for a powerful female CEO of X Fortune 500 business. Go. I had some of those. I have one of those. And honestly, they're brilliant. And they scare the living out of me. And I thought, that's not great. Like, they really pull me up by my bootstraps. It would be a detriment to the whole conversation we've just had about trust in a safe space and all of those things to say, well, my ideal mentor would be this person. And as, as, as it's 3am, like, 
trying to listen to a sleep story thinking i really need to just not be thinking about this i was thinking (laughs) who would be my ideal mentor whether or not it's a cop-out answer i really think i've got it you know for all of the reasons that we talked about on the call it's like i can't really think of anyone else i couldn't come up with an answer to that beyond chloe i think it's you love this what a great way to end the podcast with the perfect mentor mentee relationship Tess, Chloe, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I think um, your partnership is really one that I hope others will aspire to have. You know, I think it's, it's, it's amazing to see how your friendship has flourished into a mentorship relationship. Thank you for all your amazing advice. So much actionable stuff in there for anyone that's out there, like looking for mentorship right now or wants to be a mentor uh, with thoroughly encourage uh, everyone to take heed of your uh, wisdom and hopefully we'll see the results off the back of it so thank you for joining us thanks for having us thanks what a way to finish this feature series i remember meeting tess and chloe before the recording and even just our briefing call was filled with amazing mentorship and i absolutely loved the dynamic that they brought to this episode I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and more generally this whole feature series. If we have left any questions unanswered or you have feedback or guest recommendations you'd like to share with us, please get in touch with myself at hannah at jbmc.co.uk. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And that's officially a wrap from us today, but make sure you hit that subscribe button as we're kicking off series 10 next week and we can't wait to see you then.